Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. He says, like a fig tree, when the figs have been hanging too long and they start falling randomly, just one falls here, there, the other where, he says, the stars are going to be doing that. So imagine just being on the earth and when God rather is poor, you can't, nobody can escape this. You can't escape the hunger part. You can't escape the fourth of people dying part. You can't escape the fact that peace has been removed. You can't escape the fact that the earth is quaking, stars are falling out. All these things are happening. And God is saying this, I'm unhappy. This is all a result. This is all my judgment on people that have rejected me. Sometimes it seems like the majority of the Bible focuses on the bad. People screw up. They're not obedient. God's angry and punishes them. And the cycle continues. If the Bible is made up of all we need to know about God, what does that tell us? Pastor Bill reminds us today why so much of Revelation is focused on God's wrath. It's a warning. God's anger at sin runs just as deep as his love for us. The wrath that died with Jesus on the cross was meant for us. And if you reject his sacrifice, he will still see justice. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of Revelation chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Seal Judgments. As you go through the Old Testament, God over and over again talks about the day. He'll say, well, that, that day, that day of his wrath, the day of this, the day comes. This is the day. When we hit the tribulation period, God is like, now we've, we've flipped to that page. Now it's the day. Now it's the time for judgment and wrath for those that wouldn't have me, for those that have said, I will not have that man rule over me. This is a season where God says, I'm pouring out my wrath on the earth for it. So moving on, I, I didn't read the last part of verse eight. So it says, in the name of him who sat on it was death and Hades followed him. Yes, and power was given to them over the fourth of the earth to kill with the sword, with hunger, with death and by the beast of the earth. Now, verse nine, when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. So. During the tribulation period, we're going to see it as we continue through the book. There are people that get saved during this period of time. So they're going to be called the tribulation saints. I want first for us to get just the mercy of God that in this period of wrath, they're going to still be people that God saves. God's still going to be going after people. Um, There are going to be a number of Jews that this is where the Jews are going to finally wake up to the fact that they need Jesus. The Jewish people as a whole have rejected Christ up until now. Um, And God is still leaving opportunity for them. And during the tribulation period, many of them are going to come to Christ. But at this point right here, we're looking at the tribulation saints. They they die and they're there saying, God, when are you going to avenge us? And so uh, look at what it says. They have been slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Verse 10. And they cry with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given to each of them, and it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. And so they're saying, God, when are you going to avenge those that have killed us, those that have done this to us? And God says, "Just you know, you guys got to wait. It's at the end of the tribulation period where we'll see this group again and we'll see God deal with those that were killing his saints, those who were killing believers on the earth. So again, For those who think, oh, it'll be easy to get saved in the tribulation, I'll just walk with God then. Look at what happens to believers then, right? There are places on the earth right now where believers are enduring persecution and being killed. But imagine a time when it's not going to be accepted to be a Christian. 
Because Satan is running the show. The Antichrist, the world leader, has been empowered by the devil. It's going to be illegal to be Christian. And people are going to be dying in the droves for professing their faith in Christ. And so they're just saying, God, when are you going to avenge us? When, when are you going to make it right? And God says, I will. It's coming up. And this is what we got to remember for those that struggle with injustice, things that happen that are unjust. I know I do. When I see injustice, I hate it. I hate when I see wrong happen. I hate when I see people in charge, people in power that are doing wrong with their power. But I'm also aware that they got to deal with God one day. So rather than me getting all stirred up, I can't believe in job, you know, like, no, you're not really going to get away with that. Not really. Nobody's going to get away with nothing. Everybody's going to give an account to him one day. And so we got to be careful. I think sometimes Christians can get so into these things and not realize that it's all going to be sorted out eventually. We can vote. We can pray. But eventually, people that have been wrong are going to be dealt with. They're going to give an account. If you've been wrong, if you've exercised authority over people in a wrong way, one day you got to stand before their creator and give an account for what you have done. And so for those that have been unjust here, those that are killing Christians, those that are coming against believers, during the seven years, it looks like they're the authority. It looks like they're in charge. They're killing folks and getting away with it. But then God says, no, their day is coming. Y'all are going to be OK. Y'all are down here. Y'all y'all have died for the faith. Y'all will be in heaven eventually. But their day of judgment is coming. Sometimes I see people get so concerned with social justice issues and you forget that people on both sides are going to hell. Don't lose your mission as a Christian. Right. My mission is I want to see people get saved on both sides of every issue because it's, it's lost people on every side of every issue. Jesus died for every person on every side of every issue. I can't attach myself so strongly to this side that I I begin to hate them over there. Maybe I want hell for them. Be careful about that. Be careful about what your mission is, who you're serving. If people aren't right, it's coming anyway. I know this. I know there's people on every side of every issue going to hell, not living right, don't know God. I want to align myself with the people of God. I want to align myself with Christ, but I want to preach the gospel to people. And I want to be free to share the gospel with everybody because that's what I've been called to do. That's what we've been called to do as a church. Amen. And so moving on, it says now in verse 12, I looked when he opened the sixth seal and behold, there was a great earthquake and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair and the moon became like blood and the stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up and every mountain and island was moved out of its place. So as you open up this sixth seal, there was an earthquake. And I want you just to remember, these aren't things that are happening in one city, one state, one area. This is worldwide. So the whole earth is quaking. Everywhere is experiencing an earthquake. The sun became as black as sackcloth. That means that the world just went dark. God just turned off the lights. And we don't really know what that's like, right? When the sun goes down, the moon is up, right? There's always some light out there for us. But at this point, God says, I'm turning, it's going to be black as sackcloth. Anybody here ever been in a place so dark you couldn't see your hand in front of you? Just dark, dark, darkness. I went to a a thing. I, I used to go with my old church. They would have every year a pastor's getaway. And one year we would go somewhere nice, you know, stay somewhere. And then the next year we would go, uh, we had a lot of pastors that they, they, for them getting away was to go camping. I've never been a camping guy, you know, so if I want to get away and relax, I want a hotel room with cushy pillows and a nice bed. I want a tub, you know, these guys, we went up to the Sequoias and put up tents and uh, I took an air mattress to try to bring some comfort, you know, 
But it was whack. I didn't like it. The bugs outside, you know, where we fished during the day. By 6 p.m., the bears were down there. I'm like, we, we, we're where the bears live. Like, we, we moved in where they live. This is not comfortable. So my first night out there, I got to go to the bathroom. And from my tent to the bathroom is beyond where the doors are here. And it's pitch black. I mean, I'm looking out. I, I can't see anything. And I'm like, there's no way. I'm, I'm, I can't see anything out here. So you know, I apologize later, but I just a few, a, a step left of my tent. I just, I was, I'm just, I got to make it home, you know, so I didn't make the walk. So it was dark, dark. And so, uh, but here as part of the, the judgment of God, he just turns off the lights. It's completely dark over all the earth. The moon became like blood. And again, all this is God's judgment. Verse 13 says the stars start falling. And we forget how big the stars are. They're huge. Balls of gas, right? But they're way up in the sky, so we see them at night and they're there. But he says the stars are going to just start falling down. And he gives a description. He says, like a fig tree, when the figs have been hanging too long and they start falling randomly, just one falls here, there, the other where. He says the stars are going to be doing that. So imagine just being on the earth. And when God's wrath is poor, you can't, nobody can escape this. You can't escape the hunger part. You can't escape the fourth of people dying part. You can't escape the fact that peace has been removed. You can't escape the fact that the earth is quaking, stars are falling out. All these things are happening. And God is saying, yes, I'm unhappy. This is all a result. This is all my judgment on people that have rejected me. So we have to say this about God, right? That God, it does upset God that people would reject him. Don't raise your hand. But if you're here, you've ever rejected the Lord. That upsets the Lord. It's upsetting to God that people would reject his offer. I know I'm guilty. I've shared this before, but I I first heard the gospel when I was 16. First time I heard it, understood it, and felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit, I was 16. And with clarity, I rejected it. Decided that "Mm, I don't want to do that. I want to do what I was doing. And I went on doing what I was doing. For three years, I made a mess of my life. Those three years after that, If there's a regret in my life, it's that I didn't get saved when I first heard it. Because in three years, between 16 and 19, I made a lot of mistakes. I did did things during that three-year stretch that I still pay for this day. And just that little three-year window. Now, by the mercy and the grace of God, I got another chance when I was 19. And I was a little more broken and a lot more open. And God had paved the way and people had prayed for me. And I got saved at 19. But I could have been saved when I was 16. And God would have had every right. If I had died between 16 and 19, I would have gone to hell for having rejected Christ. And so I'm grateful for the mercy. I'm grateful to be here. I'm grateful that I didn't die then. I'm grateful for the second chance. I'm grateful that I didn't just keep going as a non-believer. But I know that it didn't please the Lord, that I heard it and I understood it and I rejected it. And I could feel it in my life. I could look back over my life. And this is, I look back when I was just lost, didn't know the Lord, hadn't heard the gospel. There was this covering over my life that I I used to think I was just lucky. Everybody in my circle of friends had DUIs except me, though I've been pulled over drunk multiple times. But every time I would get out of it some way, somehow, my mom's friend Joy was dating a cop and he put a sticker on the back of one of my my truck window. I had no idea what that meant in the law enforcement world. When you get pulled over and they see that sticker and they're, they're like, oh, it's your family, like somebody in your family. You only can get this sticker from one of us. And I didn't know what that meant, but I had at least two opportunities where I could have went to jail, had my car towed, and I had them say, go home. 
I had a try had a cop follow me home, drunk with a 40 open in my car, gave me a following too close ticket and a no seatbelt ticket and said, I'm gonna follow you home, park your truck, don't wanna see it out again today. I made it out, no DUIs. There are times where I should have gone to jail. There's times where somebody else sat in jail for me and didn't tell. On and on and on. There's all, there was all this grace, all this mercy. I hear the gospel. I reject the gospel. Can I tell you that, that that's lifted off of me? And it seemed like I got caught for everything from that point on. It, it seemed like it just lifted up and now everything was just crumbling. And what used to just seem like I used to just get away with everything. And I'm like, I, I thought I was so smooth. I look back and I think God was just having mercy on a dummy. In my ignorance, there was a covering, but God lifted it. But you know what? That brought about brokenness. And I was broken enough that when I heard it the next time, I knew I needed God and gave my life to Christ. So my heart, my prayer for those of us here, I pray that nobody will walk out of this room not knowing Christ today. That you wouldn't resist him. You wouldn't reject him. You don't have a greater need in this life. You get your relationship with God right through Jesus. You don't have a greater need. Nothing in this life is going to be more important than that. Nothing will matter more than this. If you're here today and that's a question, it's aloof. You may have other things you think are important. What you're going to do for a living? What you're going to do for work? How you going to make money? None of that matters. If you died right now, you know what would matter? Wouldn't matter what you did for a living. Wouldn't matter if you were healthy. Wouldn't matter if you were pretty or ugly. None of that would matter if you were single, married. What would matter if you died right now is this. Do you know him? More importantly, does he know you? Does he look down and say, that's my son, that's my daughter? Are you known by him? Because if you're not known by him, that's your biggest issue right now. It doesn't have to remain an issue. You can settle that before you leave this building because God does love you. And God has made a provision that everybody that would turn to him in faith, he would save. God doesn't turn anybody away. So it doesn't matter what you've done, where you come from, how dark, how grimy, how God says, man, if you'll come, believe in that you're a sinner, that I died for your sins and rose from the grave, I will forgive you. I will receive you. I will put my spirit in you. I will begin to work anew and afresh in your life. And that's true for everybody here. So you're either here today, you're either with the Lord already, the spirit of God lives in you, belong to God, heaven is your home, your final destination, or you're here separated from God and God is beckoning you that you would turn to him in faith and be saved. Again, as we read through these things, this is a glimpse of what God's wrath on earth in a temporary space and time looks like. This pales in comparison to hell. This is, just a, this is just a glimpse. And God on the earth during this time, he's, they're getting a glimpse of his wrath. This is just some of what it looks like. But it, it, it only gets worse from there. And this is what I would say to a non-believer. Because I hear people say stuff like this, you know, I'm in hell right now. Nah, you're not. No. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. All you got to do is read your Bible. This is nothing on this earth. You know, if you can drink water, you can you take a nap. Can you scratch your head? I mean, you are not in hell right now. I don't care how bad it is. When people say that, I just, oh, man, I cringe a little bit. I like, you just don't know. You don't know. Don't say that. That's, that's, you disrespecting hell, thinking you in it right now. You know, <laughs> none of us have been through nothing that despairing yet. You know, we haven't experienced anything even close to it. But we read about it that we might be made aware. And I believe that God reveals it, that we could be aware of it, that we would miss it. Amen that we would get saved, but also I believe his heart is that, I think that one of the reasons God reveals these things is that we would have a heart. Those of us that already got ours, that we'd be thinking about our friends, our family, the people that we're interacting with on a day-to-day basis, and that we'd be more faithful to share, that we'd be more faithful to tell them this is, this is what they have to look forward to. But we want, hopefully we love the lost. Just like somebody loved on you. Some of y'all are here today because somebody reached out, somebody cared, somebody brought you to church, somebody begged you, grabbed you, 
coerced you or whatever, but you got saved, prayed for you, shared with you, nagged you. Uh, I know people here that were, you know, other people worked and, and shared and prayed and cried and then they got saved, right? And you need to be thankful for those people. We need to be those people. I got family, I got friends, I got people, they need to know what I know. I got mine, but I can't be selfish with that. We got to share what we know. Amen? So moving on, the last part of verse 14. So we have the earthquakes, the figs dropping, the stars dropping like figs. And then it says the, the sky receded like a scroll and every mountain and island was moved from its place. So think about that. Every mountain and every island is moved from its place, not where it used to be. That's over all the world. Verse 15 says, and the kings of the earth, the great men, the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, and every slave, every free man hid themselves in caves and in the rocks and mountains and said to the mountains and rocks, fall on us, hide us from the face of him who sits on the throne and from the wrath of the lamb. For the great day of his wrath has come and who is able to stand? I want you to note that group of people. You got wealthy men, great men, rich men, slaves. You got every demographic of people, and they're all the same now. They're all running for their lives. They're running for the caves. They're saying, hide me from the wrath of the lamb. Here's the thing. You can't hide from the wrath of the lamb, though. And so they're running, they're hiding there, but you can't get away from it. You can't hide from the wrath of the lamb. There'll be people that are yelling that that could have responded to an altar call one day. Right? There'll be people that are saying, hide me from the wrath of the lamb, that they could have bowed their knee to the lamb. They had the opportunity. They wouldn't do it. They wouldn't receive it. It says, for the great day of his wrath has come, and who is able to stand? And here's the thing. Nobody will be able to stand against the wrath of the lamb. That's the final summation of everything. You won't be able to get away from it. So when it's, when it's time for judgment and punishment, no one will be able to get away. Flip that coin over, though. If you're a saint, there's never going to be wrath that comes to you if you've already been Born again. If the the wrath that you deserve has already been placed on the cross, then there'll be no wrath coming for you. Like we have we have we have nothing to do with this. We've been rescued from this. So here are my thoughts as I read this. Like, God, what do we do with this information? What do you want us to do about what we're learning here? Because I believe there's something that we're supposed. These things are written for a reason. God's not just giving us instruction about what he's going to do in the future for nothing. So a couple things. I believe that for Christians that we're reading the details about what's coming, what's going on. Number one, I think that this should really enhance our own worship, that you ought to read these things and be so grateful for what God has saved you from, right? I know I've been saved from hell. I know I've been saved from separation from God, but even as I read through what God's wrath looks like, I need to be grateful. God, thank you for sparing me this. Thank thank you that none of this will ever be true for me. Thank you that you have rescued me because I deserve all of this, right? There are people in this room that would, I think you would agree with me. We're as bad as the people down yelling, cover me up. Some of, some of us have been worse than some of them, but we're just born again. We've been saved. We've been washed in the blood of the land. We've been covered. And so I need to be grateful. I think that's one thing. Number two, I believe that my knowledge of what's to come for the non-believer, this should stir my heart up to witness like never before. Right? I know what my neighbor, my friend, my whoever I know what's coming for them. I know what they have to look forward to. If they, should they die like they are? Should they live long enough and be here where the church is taken out of here? I know that, I know that it's going to be awful and horrendous for them. I want to be a better witness. 
and I hope that one of the things I'm hoping and praying as we as we continue to read through the details of the tribulation period, that God would stir us up as a church to be more more concerned for the well-being of other people that we would witness more. I find that a lot of people don't witness for selfish reasons. A lot of Christians have never led anybody to Christ, which is not the worst part of the news. The worst part is that most of them is because they have never attempted. So, you know, people have never led someone to Christ because they've never spoken up. They've never said anything. My prayer is that as we read through these things, I'm going to pray before we get done, too, for us that God would just it would be a supernatural boldness of his spirit that we would be so concerned for the well-being of other people that we would bug them, that we would talk to them, that we would share with them, that we would go ahead. If, if that relationship is going to go south, let it go south for this reason. Right. If I'm going to lose a friendship, let me lose a friendship on this reason right here. I would rather somebody be upset with me for telling them this. And then later on, they come to the Lord and they're like, oh, now I appreciate it. Now I get what you were saying. I've had that happen. I've had people that were mad at me, that were, I was on their nerves. They were like, you're judging me. And then they get saved and they come back and they're like, hey, man, you know, they appreciate it later. Uh, I did that. I appreciated the people that tried later. But you know how I felt about the people that came out of the woodworks after I got saved? Talking about praise the Lord. Don't praise the Lord now. Like You ain't, you ain't say nothing. You going to watch me go to hell laughing at my jokes and stuff like I was genuinely offended by the people that when I became a Christian and I went public with my relate, they were like, oh, praise God, man, I was praying for you. You saved? <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I, I was really offended at some of them. You know, like, don't say nothing now. If you, if you didn't say nothing before, don't say nothing now. You don't deserve to talk about it, you know. Don't be that person, though. Go ahead and share. And if you find that, you know what, I'm, I get nervous, I'm afraid, you got stuff, you need to ask God, God, give me, give me enough boldness to stop caring about myself. Stop caring about how I'm going to do, what's going to happen to my relationship with them. Sometimes we care about the wrong thing too much and not enough about the right thing. Never mind how they care about you. Does it matter? Does it matter? At the end of the day, does it matter what they think about you? No. What matters is what they, where they're going when they die. And I want to share that message. And if that message costs me relationships, I'll live with that. I will just live with it. Jesus did. Right. And when they reject you, they're not really rejecting you. They're rejecting him. Amen. We're just ambassadors for him. And so if there's something that I hope that the Lord is working through us as we study this book, it'll be that. If lost people are listening, I hope that they'll get saved. If believers are listening, I hope that we'll, we'll go deeper in our worship, that we'll have a deeper gratitude and thankfulness to the Lord, but also that we'll be more impassioned to witness and to share. Because everybody of us is connected to people that need to hear the gospel. You guys have access to people that I cannot have access to. And I have access to people that you guys can't get to. But what if all of us were just faithful on the job? Just faithful that, God, the people that you put in my sphere of influence, I'm going to make sure I, I tell them. I'm going to make sure that they hear it from me. I'm going to make sure that I'm not going to any funeral in my family and I didn't tell them. I didn't share it. I don't want to be at a funeral for somebody in my family I had access to and say, I, you didn't even try? You didn't even say nothing? No, I'll say something. Get it said. And here's the thing. When you, once you share the gospel... You don't have to badger them. I just needed to share it with you. I've asked people in my family for a permission. Hey, can I, I got to share this with you because I believe it so strongly. So I'm asking for permission for five or 10 minutes just to share it with you. Just hear me out. And I've had people give me that. Go ahead. And I'll share it with them, get it all said and ask them, like, what do you, what do you say? You know, and they may say, no, I don't receive it. Or, I, you know, I, I appreciate what you say. I'll think about it or whatever. The gospel has been shared. 
I don't have to badger them for a response. I can't make them receive it, but I need to be responsible to have said it. I do want to encourage us as individuals that know the Lord that we would go further. We'd be more uh, intentional about getting that message shared with people that need to hear it. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of Revelation is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit CalvaryEnglewood.org and click on media, or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in our app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and locations for services. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as a family of God. Again, our website is calvaryinglewood.org. As we've looked into the book of Revelation, keep in mind that this book is not all doom and gloom. It ends the way the Bible began, in paradise. For those who love and follow Jesus, this book provides hope in God rescuing us from all that is broken and corrupt. So keep looking for that in the midst of much heartache here on earth. If you felt the blessing of this ministry in your life, we'd love for you to partner with us in praying for those who hear a transforming word. As the message go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. This ministry is a great opportunity to share the good news of Jesus and his salvation. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join us again for another edition with Pastor Bill on A Transforming Word.